Hi, I'm Rob Hubbard, and you're listening to the Awesome Team World podcast. I hope you enjoy it. everyone i'm aj yurg is right there across the table from me hi there and this is the scene world podcast you may notice that the music that was just played is not our normal music um we are playing this in honor of the the great ben daglish who sadly passed away from lung cancer uh just a few days ago he's one of the the top guy, the top musician is one of the most famous musicians. He is one of the, the most famous musicians in the 64 scene. He's the guy that did the music for, for that trap demo. You know, I mean that. And, yep. And, you know, all that's ninja. Yeah. I mean, the guy was, was everywhere and was an amazing musician and a great guy as well. And the scene will, the scene will, won't be the same without him. Yep. It's it's funny because uh, and somehow sad because oh, Anthony right. Anthony Lee's exactly the second guy working on Last Ninja also was um, died in a car accident earlier this year and this was also um, coming to the surface in the last weeks so that means both composers are now dead all happening this year unfortunately. And if I look at if I look at famous uh, composers, influencers, scene guys, a lot of them died of young lung cancer or other kind of cancer. Kind of sad. So, okay. <clears throat> In a minute, we're going to be talking to Arben Hirstetter from Retroplace. And Fred Fisher from Console Variations. And we will also be joined by our very own Martin Amon, our, our cute bunny. And we will be talking about um, database systems, um, which don't turn off the podcast. It's not what you think. Um, these are two uh, two different sites that are, are dedicated to archiving and, and cataloging every variation of hardware and software for different machines and and we also go into some some uh, marketplace stuff because there are, there's there's a reasoning behind why why they're doing this but before we get there uh there is some other stuff to discuss um news you could call it news news would be a word that would adequately describe it so <laughs> i'll let you start that well, um, I am 8-bit finally shipped uh, Mega Man 2 for the NES, Mega Man X for the Super Nintendo. That would be the 30th anniversary classic edition from Capcom. And um, it's also the first product that was shipped since they closed down the UK store. So I had I had the fun of going to DHL Express 
the distribution center and pick up my item to find out that they, when they calculated the VATF to pay, they they calculated with euro instead of um, US dollars. So I was I overcharged the VAT, but I was lucky enough that I got a refund. So thank you. Anyway, that was that was not so fun. I have to admit. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah. So, and you know, the postal service um, is like, okay, if you don't pay it, we will return it to sender. <laughs> so, um, so it's not like you have a choice. So you can only hope that the um, store is refunding you. Okay. So what can I say about this? Well, the cartridge is blue for the NAS that I can say, and it's a limited edition of 800... 8,500 and um, well, and the SNES cartridge is white, so again, they did special colors like they did with the Street Fighter um, 2 anniversary edition last year. Which is funny because usually when you'd get a, an off color Nintendo cartridge, it was usually because it was you know bootleg or something. Or it was unlicensed, like like Tension, Tension with which which right, was right. a brand from Atari to re-release, um, to re-release well, or to release their their games without um, without paying production fees and license fees to Nintendo, yeah. which is funny because they did that after Activision did that with their Atari. Um, VCS cartridges. Right, right. So it was like, okay, they fooled us, so we fooled Nintendo. Hmm. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So Afterburner is a nice example, or um, or um, the Sega version of Tetris, which is also unlicensed. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, in this case, they are special editions, so the color is. Um, intentional. I can say I was pretty happy. Um, yes, and surprisingly, on the store homepage, you can still buy them. So the eight thousand five hundred units are not sold out yet. Hmm. Cool. Yep. Cool. Yep. Very nice. Speaking of of things like that, um, by the time that anyone hears this, this will be a couple of days in the past, most likely. But um, as of the time that we're recording this. Um, the C64 Mini is available in the U.S. in Walmart and in GameStop today, October 9th, which obviously when you're hearing this, it's not going to be October 9th because, you know, we're not, we don't we don't work that quickly or efficiently. But <laughs> so it's in stores today, evidently. And uh, I yeah. kind of want to take a trip down to Walmart and see if I can find one. Yeah, not not necessarily to buy one, just to take my picture next to it. Yep, and they also they also released. Uh, you are so nice, and they oh, also nice. released a they also released a firmware update yes. today. Oh yeah, 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 and um, well, it allows like easier selection of um, D sixty four images, so you mm -hmm. can actually turn the disc and fixing other problems. Cool. So um, we will link to the announcement of Indiegogo in the podcast description. 
Yeah, I kind of do actually want to get one just because I want to, because the ones that have been out in the wild have been the PAL version, and I think there is a difference between the PAL and NTSC versions, aren't there? Well, just a TV standard, which is funny because in Germany, most TVs can handle NTSC, but in America, only a few can handle PAL, which is totally weird. But that was always the case, you know, and, um, well... I never and will never understand how how America doesn't care about globalism in that aspect. Um, yeah. But well, it's I don't know. I mean, it's the same device. It's just a different power supply in it. Yeah. You know, right, and just right. a different TV tuner or something. Right. But the devices themselves, they could be identical, mm-hmm. but they still make a difference about it. Um, anyway. It's it's nice to see that the NTSC version is now released and uh, and together with that they also um, made a firmware update. Actually, it was released a couple of months already, but for online sale, not on the local you could, you Walmart. Could, yeah, or you could pre-order yeah. it, I believe. You could pre-order it, but I don't think you could actually get one. Yeah, now. you could. I mean, I, I did an interview with um, with Twin Galaxies a few months ago on the actual release date of the NTC version. Mm. So, yep. Okay. Yep. So, I'm really talking about the release um, day. So, cool. yes. Excellent. Okay, what what else happened? Yeah, well, the Digital Retro Park, the museum that was crowdfunded a few, couple of years ago, actually has rooms now, and it's in Offenbach, which is near to Frankfurt, and um, it's in the pedestrian area, pedestrian street, so pretty nice. Hmm. And they will open the doors on the 13th, so this Saturday. Um, yeah. Okay. So congratulations, guys. Very nice achievement. And um, it will be a computer museum that actually people can play the computers and use the computers. So it's an interactive museum. That's nice because a lot of times when you have these things, you know, you're not allowed to touch or do anything that might break them. Exactly. Yeah. Which is funny, yeah. Which is funny because the Commodore 64, Atari, and so on. I have many of those devices in my home, and I still use them. Though it's not museum stuff for me, but it's museum stuff for the general public. So I can understand that. But but still, a lot of these things. I mean, they're built like tanks. So I mean, you know, Uh, there's there's a video on YouTube right now of somebody finds an old C64 like in some in a yard somewhere that's been outside for ten years. It's full of yep. dirt and ants and stuff, and they cleaned it out, and it starts right up. I think it was actually spread on Facebook or something. Probably, yeah. Not, not on, not on. Um, I saw it. I saw it was because it was a recommended thing on YouTube when I went onto YouTube. But I have ah, okay. seen people post well, it on Facebook. Then, you, then you, then you can find it. I mean, if yeah. you, if you search for C sixty four in the dirt, Adrian Black, Commodore sixty four yeah. left outside for over a decade. Could it still work? Okay. Oh, then then you found it. Good. Yeah. Um, well, that would be all news from my side. Um, well, last last podcast we talked about um, 
the uh, what the, the Checkmate A1500 Plus Amiga and PC case. They had a Kickstarter going, and we were saying that they were, you know, getting getting down to the the end of it. They made it. They made their backing of great. Um, not, they they were looking for seventy seven thousand five hundred pounds, British pounds, and they made ninety one eight. So I mean, they they passed it. Great. So that's going to be done now. So that is pretty awesome. Whoa. So um, what else? Um, I can't think of anything else. Well, that was a pretty quick news section then. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, Those are always nice. So, so <laughs> yeah. So let's jump forward. Yeah, let's go and talk to. to let's talk oh, to wait. No, sure. Oh, before you forgot something. Um, um, Matt Cray um, started his third Kickstarter. Yeah. For another album. And I'm trying to find what the name was again. Because I suck at names. Um, Reformation 3. Yes. So C64 soundtrack remakes by Matt Gray. But uh, this time not physical. Only digital release. Okay. Yep. Cool. And the annual 2019 edition of the SAP64 magazine was released, but as I'm not living in UK, I didn't receive it yet. Yes, yes. Andrew has done an unboxing of that, has he not? Yeah, he got it earlier. Yeah, if than... you check out our YouTube site page, you can see Andrew's unboxing of, of that. Yeah. And... Um... Did we talk about Hunt, Hunter's Moon remastered? No, I don't believe released? that we did. Not not this ah. not, not this week anyway. Yeah, so Hunter's Moon um, from Thalamus was actually re-released, the one from '86, and it has an awesome intro, so fluent and so well animated, right. and it's a cartridge-only release. So that really that really made me very happy. Cool. Um, yeah. Cool. Oh, and guys, you know, we've been talking for a while. We've been trying to figure out. We A couple of years back, I think it was 2015 even, uh, we did Extra Life in the, the you know, 24-hour gaming marathon to raise money. And we're doing it again this year. Now, now game day yep. is on the, the 3rd, I think. We're, that's, we're yep. doing it the week after. We're going to be doing it October 10th through the 11th. 24 hours of brutal, brutal gaming. I've got some more stuff to do this time because I've actually got an Amiga so I can do C64 stuff and Amiga stuff. So that should Have be... you got a crabber? I will figure something out. I will get one if I can't make something else work. Well, the um, TerraTag 3G crabber for the Mac works wonders. Cool. And it works better than the Windows version. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I will check that out. Um, yeah. And, uh, so yeah, and we'll I can only recommend that. Yeah, so we're going to be doing that, and uh, and yeah, so so on the tenth, I believe it starts at eight a.m. Uh, 
Yup. I, I, I don't know if we're going to start at 8 a.m. Because, because I'm taking the day off, but I don't know when I'm going to be actually here to do that. So I, I have to figure out all my scheduling nonsense before I even... And also, we have different time zones. Yes, yes. Um, so, but so... but um, we will announce it when we know it. Let me, let me see here. Let me, hang on a second. Well, it depends on what a.m. is for me in Germany. Yes. Well, if you're, I'm still you're, you're you're ahead, so so your eight a.m. would be way earlier than my eight a.m. So true. So, so if you want to start at, if you want to start at my eight a.m. and that, that way, right? That way, it's kind of you can start later in the day. Oh, we did it the same. We did it at the same time. I don't remember the, what we did last time. We did it in 2015 exactly the same way. We started at your eight a.m. Okay. And then we're returning, okay. taking taking turns. Yes. Um, we'll be doing so we can have we can have a look at how how Star Citizen progressed in three years. Yeah, yeah. Make it made a huge leap. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll check that out. And got a lot of other stuff now that we can play, not only oh, God, PC yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got lots of stuff. So. I'm jazzed Ooh. to be playing games that are not Kim Kardashian. So, okay, now yeah, it's so let's go, time. Yeah, to... let's go talk about some databases. We have Armin and Fred and Martin hanging out right over. Well, they're they're over here. They're, they've been sitting quietly this whole time, waiting patiently for us to finish. So today we are talking about console and retro video games and computer games systems databases, actually. And for this, we actually have Martin, our editor here, our music guru, um, because he was with me and other people from Scene World at the Gamescom. And at Gamescom, we, we've met the two products, and that would be RetroPlace.com. And there we have Armin. Hi, Armin. Hi there. Thanks for having me tonight. And console variations. And for this, we have Fred Fisher. Hi, Fred. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me also. So, um, talking about databases, this seems at first a pretty boring topic, but I guess we will make it interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so let's talk about um, database in general and um, how you got the idea. But I guess first let's start... How did you actually get involved into computing and retro computing? I guess let's start with Armin. Okay. Uh, well, that, that's easy. Uh, I, I'm retro myself. So I was born in 1970, and I think my first console ever was an Amazon uh, Arcadia t uh, 2001 type of console. It was a clone. Uh, because my father, uh, he didn't know what console would be really cool. I, of course, would have uh, gone for a Atari VCS 2600. But anyway, I loved the console. It was really, really great. Later, I got a Commodore 64, then an Atari ST. Uh, I started programming, though, on a CBM 4016, which is um, similar to the Commodore Repet computer series. And so, so I, I did a lot um, uh, during school. Then I used to work for a computer magazine uh, that dealt with Atari ST computers. And after I left that, like I was uh, beginning of 20s, uh, I kind of forgot about gaming 
because uh, I was in a different job, um, different magazines that hadn't uh, had not to do anything with computers. And um, I restarted programming when I had an idea about to, uh, to build a marketplace, but that's a different story. And uh, I, I began gaming, I think, with the launch of the PS1. This was the first console I bought after I dropped out of the Atari ST, to be honest. Interesting. Okay. So how about Fred? How did this start for you? Well, I remember that I was, when I was a kid, like, I'm from 87, my first video game console would have been the SNES if my parents had uh, gifted me one, which they didn't. So actually, my first console was the N64, and I really um, grew up and uh, grew up, and I, I learned to love the N64. Uh, after that, I had the GameCube, and um, then, similar to Armin, my... Um, my career in playing consoles uh, kind of dropped. I did have some experience, like, way back also with uh, MS-DOS and, uh, you know, played Captain Comic and Cosmos and these kind of games. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I got into MMOs after that a little bit. And uh, hold on a little bit, because it's going to be a s small stretch. But uh, I started playing World of Warcraft very intensely. And... Um, I got really good at it, but uh, I didn't really get any good at where I wanted to uh, be at life, really. Um, so I tried to find a solution how to turn this. How can you be really good at playing video games and doing something that really brings you further in life? And then I decided to apply for a job at Blizzard Entertainment. And um, I did that. And um, I actually um, got the job, so um, I started working for Blizzard, and I worked at Blizzard for a little bit over one and a half years on the World of Warcraft team, and um, after, you know, playing for a year, then working for another one and a half years, I realized, wow, these MMOs, they, they never really end, and uh, patch after patch after patch, I have to restart again. And then I remembered the times when I was playing N64 Mario Party with my brothers and sister, and I thought to myself, wow, do you know what? I'm going to get one of these consoles again, a console that has games that end. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I went ahead. I, I bought uh, N64 on eBay, and um, soon enough I realized that my love for the game was way less than my love for the hardware. I realized, oh, my God. There's so many different colors of the system. Uh, I believe there are 18 different colors. And uh, I started to buy, you know, the, the, the green one, then I bought the blue one, then I bought the purple one. And that's how I actually started my collection, and that's how I became a little bit of a console nerd guru kind of type uh, with all of these different variations. And essentially, my goal then was to database them. Okay. And how did it start for you, Armin, this, this idea yes. to make um, um, a retro gaming database? Yes. So I got a call from, from, from a friend of mine um, like two years ago where he said, Armin, uh, and it, it's, it's uh, Stefan Kimblingen, he owns a computer uh, a game shop in Trier, uh, a pretty neat one, I have to say. And he said, Armin, um, I have a friend... Uh, of mine and myself, we had we had this idea of making a marketplace for retro games. 
And I was thinking like, oh, a marketplace for retro games. Now that's a very new idea, isn't it? Has Ebon gone belly up or what? What happened? Is Amazon broken or what? And then I, and then it's, uh, I, 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 I thought a, a second and I thought, hang on, hang on, hang on. There is something here because I'm a, I was a hardcore fan of Disco, uh, Discogs. It's this, this, um, it's a marketplace for, for vinyl, for, for records and they have a, tremendously big database of all the records that probably have ever been published in, in all their variations. And I thought, hang on, if there would be a database of all retro video games that actually has all the information you would need if you want to identify the game you want to buy or sell, um, that would be a neat thing to have it as a core thing of the marketplace. So I thought about it a little bit longer and I said to the, to the two guys, okay, I, I'm, I'm in, uh, I, I will program that thing. And, um, okay, fast forward two years or almost two years, um, retroplace.com now is a database with more than 111,000, uh, retro games. Um, it's more than 130 consoles slash home computers. Um, about 40 to 50% of the games come with pictures, uh, be it the pack shot or title screen or in-game screen. And also, of course, we feature the information. When was it published? What is the EAN, uh, UPC barcode? Um, who was the de- developer, the publisher? Uh, in what kind of um, variations did, did the release, um, uh, was, was the release published? So there's lots of information there. And, but now you, you could argue and say, oh, yeah, Armin, that's, again, a very great idea. But there are trillions of databases out there. And that is true. And we spent two years, um, like, finding the best information all over the web because those databases, and I, I still think that they, they did a tremendous job, but still there, there are many, many uh, mistakes in the database. And as we want to have the database as the, as the core thing of the marketplace, we cannot allow for mistakes. If I want to have a, a very special release, I must be absolutely 100% sure that if I sell it on the marketplace, it actually really is the release with that EAN or UPC code and, and, and so on. So, um, but, um, and, and, and it was very important to us that everybody that could contribute to the database can do in a very easy fashion. Still, we need to have control over are the changes correct? So everything is moderated. And, uh, the feedback that we got from the, from, from the community was overwhelming. There are so many people that are helping with screenshots, with pack shots, with information about the games. So this really picked up quite well. And, and as you said, you, 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 you've met at the Gamescom and we, we, we got lots of nice uh, feedback there as well. And, but the, 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 the thing that now apart from the marketplace, why the database is so important. Imagine you have like three, four thousand games and you want to have a very easy way to add those games to your collection to manage it online. That's, this is something that is asked for by many, many, many people, uh, as you know, of course. So, and we developed a really unique way to do that because if you go, let's say you have, you have a mobile phone, you go to the website and we have retro scan. With RetroScan, it's an, a barcode scanner running on the website itself. It's not an app. It runs on our website. And you just scan the barcode of your game. And if we have the barcode, and in many, many, many cases we have, you just click a button and say, okay, I want to add this game to my collection. It's really super easy. 
It's super fast. And even if you don't, uh, well, because there are games that don't have a barcode, some games of the 80s, for example, they don't feature any barcodes, but you just type in the name and the, su- the search engine that is behind RetroPlace is really, really smart. So it will show you all the games of all the consoles and all the variations, and you just simply select. So you can add like 500 games within a few hours to your collection. Uh, it's it's really neat. And then, of course, there's the marketplace, but maybe we talk about it later because we are focused on databases here. So this is in a few long words how it started. <laughs> um, very nice. And how was it with uh, console variations? Fred, because you are going into a totally different correction, you are mostly only concentrating on the consoles and the systems, right? Not on the games themselves. Yes, uh, that's correct. Uh, it's currently a change in progress, uh, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, basically, I met my business partner on a forum. So back in the day, uh, forums were all the rage. Uh, social media was coming up, getting bigger and bigger. Um, and uh, we had this uh, retro gaming forum that uh, I was contributing a lot to and, you know, finding people that were always also interested in uh, different console variations, where even in the forums, those were quite a few people that were like, think, okay, let, let's find all of the different PS1 consoles. Let's find all of the different Xbox consoles. Uh, we were all into packaging variations also. Like we, we, we tried to find all of the different packaging variations uh, from every different country of a single console. And that was quite fun. Um, so basically, uh, I was uh, running a record label um, at the time when I started collecting. And um, basically, any money I earned, I spent uh, <laughs> into some kind of, you know, collecting item. And uh, gladfully, most of those collecting items I still have. And then I thought, you know, let's let's meet this guy from the forum who's like the other guy, because he also had an insanely huge collection. And we were kind of like in unofficial competition, you know. Um, guy's name is Don. Uh, he's now my business partner. I... Um, I He uploaded the console, I uploaded the console, he did it again, and uh, eventually I said, hey, do you know what? Where do you live? I'll come visit you. So uh, um, he's from Utrecht in uh, Holland or the Netherlands, and um, we said, you know what? Actually, we should do it. We should make a database, and we should actually make our own website where all of these consoles are listed, um, and we're going to name it Console Variations, simple as it is, um, tells the story. So we did that. Um, I ended up selling my uh, record label and went traveling for a year. And um, when I was on the travel, I always had my eye on this database, which were updating and updating ourselves. And I saw, oh, oh my, there are quite a lot of users on the site. This is uh, very impressive. We um, actually made the site as you know a museum, kind of like a hyper Wikipedia. You can go to Wikipedia to get info about consoles, that's fine, but you could go to console variations to actually get all of the detailed um, information, where, I mean, it's quite right, there were a lot of databases out there already, but what we tried to accomplish was to really put an edge on the quality, have really good images, really detailed shots, so we reached out to all of collectors that we knew in all of Europe and all of America, and actually worldwide, to send us their images, And that's how console variations actually 
really became an eyesight and uh, more and more users came over the years. And yeah, that's how basically I met Don and that's how we founded Console Variations. Um, exactly. And to answer your question on the um, only focus on consoles, we're actually um, in the process of implementing games also with a complete relaunch of the site. But uh, I guess that's for a later part of the interview. Now, I see that um, Console Variations is currently focused on um, Nintendo, Atari, Sega, Sony, Microsoft, and Neo Geo. Is there other plans to put more stuff in there? Because, I mean, you, you know, we're, we're, we are primarily a Commodore-based sort of thing, and I, I can tell you that there's probably a nearly infinite different number of variations of hardware that they've made for each machine that they've done. And it would be cool to sort of, you know, to, to have that in the database as well, I would think. Yes, definitely. Um, we're going to count for that, uh, and we're going to have it, but we're not going to um, rush it. Um, back when I had my record label, we had a completely different business model. Uh, most record labels used to sign 200 bands. Then they used to, like spy which one will go be successful and then they'll put all of their money into that one band and drop all of the other 199 so um, part of the reason why the record label I had was so successful was because we only had four bands and we didn't accept any more bands we did everything for them mm -hmm. all of the booking all of the management all of the you know distribution everything and we managed to give them a whole package to make each of the bands quite successful some were more successful some not just for the backstory, and that's the same way we're approaching console variations right now. Um, we don't want to, you know, put all of the consoles that ever existed on the site and then have no images of them or no detailed information. We want to go step by step. So we decided to do the six, you know, biggest gaming brands, kind of. That's very debatable, by the way. Um, the uh, Online uh, at first and at another one once we've completed it. So basically, we're going to gather all of the information for, for example, Commodore and have it like 80% complete, and then we're going to launch it on the site so that immediately uh, the people can have the content. And now that we're relaunching the site, we're actually giving users the opportunity to upload their own variations, create new variations, and also upload their own images, which has previously not been the case. And that's the major reason why we only have six brands on the site right now, because we literally database everything ourselves and there was no user contribution. So you can imagine that took a lot of uh, effort and time. Right. But in the future, we're very sure that we're going to have um, way more brands and way more consoles. Um, and eventually, of course, our goal is to have them all. Interestingly, it was not me that, that detected um, that, that database systems were a thing in the retro area this year. It was actually Martin um, who, who, who stumbled upon it and, and told me, like, hey, let's, let's look at that. That sounds very interesting. It was like, okay, well, yet another database and actually two of them. And with Nstream, you actually have three of them, you know, even if it's an online service. So... Databases seems to be really a big thing this year at Gamescom for the retro thing. And um, I don't know, Marty, maybe you wanted you want to explain why you thought this was interesting and you told me about it? 
Well, kind of. <clears throat> uh, I have, like you said at the beginning, I'm 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 more in this uh, music thing, and I uh, really have uh, big collections of vinyls and uh, laser discs there in my, my in my apartment, and uh, I already use a lot of different databases. For the, for example, the LaserDisc data database, and uh, this is quite a thing which works well for me, but it's it's not. It's it because it's the content is very complete, and you have the uh, opportunity to get your collection done. I, I have more than 700 laser discs over there, and you, you you can yeah you get lots of your focus then with the vinyls also. And now they made I'm 700 not... laser discs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that, huh? <laughs> I actually watched them. Uh, you know, it's October. It's horror October. I have to uh, yeah, yeah. watch 13 horror movies, and why not from Laserdisc? They are uncut. And oh, original yeah. Aspect ratio, so whatever. Well, in, 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 in the end, I, I'm just... I, I, I'm, I got in consoles <clears throat> very late because my parents didn't allow me any consoles. Um, I only had my Amiga and a, a C64, and work with it uh, till I was 20, I think. And uh, then you earn some money and thought, hey, all the consoles you didn't were allowed to have uh, back in the days, you could uh, buy them. So I have a lot of old consoles here from Mega Drive, Super Nintendo, uh, all these things. So my Dreamcast is uh, really behind me now because I, I had to do something today with it. And you start to collect things and, and you have just a lot of consoles but just tiny parts of a collection and, and you start with it and you don't, you need just, just an, an overview of all these uh, little things. And I was very pleased to see a uh, retro place in this uh, uh, place because um, I don't know much of the variations. I don't, I don't know what's there, what are the old games, what are the new games. I just uh, watched here in the background and, and uh, saw that uh, retro place also has all the new releases here. I just uh, saw the Dreamcast things, and uh, I saw the game, what's it called? Um, it's, what is it? Oh, I lost it. Sturm anything, you know? Uh, you know which uh, game I mean? Uh, I, I have to, to give it a uh, huh? What is it? Stormwind for the Dreamcast. Uh, this is an, uh, not the newest game, but just an actual release. And you have all the things... The new stuff, the old stuff, for all kind of consoles in one place, and in uh, difference to the Laserless database, it's quite a neat interface. You have a website which is running very neat. It's quick. You have the search engine with which helps you very much with the, all things what you have, the differences in the versions. Uh, and for me, the marketplace, I, I also use a lot of Discogs, as you said. It's it's a vinyl thing. Yes. All people collecting vinyl know Discogs. But uh, I'm not that really satisfied with Discogs, uh, how it works. It's, it's a really big thing, you know. But it's not, you see, it's not that modern. It's 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 complicated. And, and the, the, the people I, I, there... I see exactly what you mean. Yeah. This was, was the thing that, that I, I really like the basic, the core idea of Discogs, to have a great database at its core and build the services around it, like manage your own collection and actually buy and sell stuff. And you need to have this great database. But okay, this Cox is, is a little bit aged now, but the guys did a wonderful job and they are super successful and, uh, they're really my heroes when it comes to, to, to setting up a service like that. 
Okay, as, as you mentioned, RetroPlace is a bit different um, regarding its user interface. And also you mentioned, yeah, we have, we, we, we have also the new releases of retro hardware. Well, and that's really important. And maybe I should say what we define as retro. And when I say we define, I don't mean that we are the right ones. There are trillions of definitions what is retro and what is not retro. So I'm not going into, into the, 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 the Pepsi Coca-Cola fight here. But, um, uh, in the beginning, we, we said retro is everything where the hardware was released 2000 and before. This meant Xbox 360 and PS3 was excluded, for example. And we got so many emails from collectors saying, come on, guys, please include the Xbox 360 and, and, and PS3 because I have so many games for them and I want to have a one-stop location where I can um, manage my collection. And so we said, okay, we hear you. So we say retro is everything but the current generation. So if it's, if it's not the current generation, Xbox One in this case and PS4, we consider it as retro. And I know that many people say, okay, this sucks completely because that's not retro. But then again, okay, then simply use the, the management tool only for the stuff you want to use. Nobody forces you to manage your uh, Xbox 360 games and they don't hurt you just because they're in the database. And, um, and, and so this is where, where our definition of, of, of retro came from. And there's, uh, I wanted to add one comment because when you have a marketplace, yeah, then I, I, I said before, and this is what console variations, of course, addresses. There are sometimes really very many different variations of the same console uh, or game. So, and we need to have those uh, um, those on the on the on the in the database as well, because if someone wants to sell the golden Commodore 64, then we need to have exactly the golden Commodore 64 and not the LG 64 um, or uh, wasn't there even a special golden Aldi version? I don't get. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, by the time. So, but uh, and this is where time plays plays in our in our favor because if somebody tell, uh, wants to sell a very special, unique version of Commodore 64, he can't find it in the database. Well, it takes him 30 seconds to create a new entry, and then we have it as well in the database. And then he can sell it because you can only sell stuff on RetroPlace that is in the database. So if it's not in the database, you take 30 seconds to list it if it's not there and, uh, and boom, there you go. So we hope that time after time, uh, like, yeah, with the future, with, with more and more people managing their collections, uh, using it for, for just browsing the database and getting some inspiration or if they want to buy and uh, sell things, that the database will get more and more complete. And uh, we, we already see something in that direction. But um, at the moment, it's more games than consoles that are sold. Um, but after time, it, it will pick up. And um, I think we get a, a nice, decent database, not only like of 130 consoles, but of many thousand console variations um, that people add because they want to sell it. It's not what we want to do. It's not our inherent need uh, that we want to like go uh, and, and, and seek all those console variations actively, I think it will come passively by the community. Um, but I think the main difference here is, as I understood you guys, um, 
you both want to make the databases commercial. I mean, uh, I think, Fred, you told me once you actually want to cooperate with the manufacturers of the databases that actually put the infos themselves into the, the databases or something like that. Maybe you could explain it. Because, as I understood, it's not uh, like just a normal database that is free and um, info is entered by the user itself. But I guess you are actually addressing um, the manufacturers of the consoles. Um, kind of. Uh, we're not uh, trying to get uh, down to the database. The the usage of the website is for free, and it will always be for free. Um, that's for sure anyway. Um, but uh, basically, if you're talking about the business model behind it now, it's uh, quite different. I remember um, when uh, I first uh, heard about the retro place, this was like, I don't know, a few weeks before Gamescom, a month or something, it was on a, on a hackathon. It's like, hey, you know this retro place thing? They are also a database. And Hey, that's really interesting. So I checked it out and said, wow, uh, they're also on Gamescom. So luckily we met you guys at Gamescom, really cool team. And of course, at first it was like, oh, are we doing the same thing or not? Um, but uh, actually, no, like Armin said, uh, their focus is on building a marketplace where people can actually um, sell and trade consoles. Of course, um, well, actually only sell as far as I know. Um, but uh, of course, that will also be possible uh, uh, on our side that people trade consoles or what, but it's not a marketplace and we're not going there. So as you mentioned, um, it is um, basically that we want to cooperate with the manufacturers, um, not only on a level of uh, that they, they like send us a console or something that we review or something, like the typical influence uh, uh, audience, but also in a way that uh, we can uh, have a news and blog output uh, for people to really get informed about the new consoles and the new limited editions. Basically, our goal there is to be a media outlet that can uh, really focus on limited editions and maybe work together with manufacturers to bring that news um, to the people early. And then also the other thing is that we work together with uh, manufacturers of completely different products. For example, acrylic cases for games. Many collectors want to have acrylic cases for their games. Uh, we also work together with a company in the UK that makes uh, display stands um, that are very impressive uh, and uniquely uh, designed uh, for the different types of retro con controllers. And uh, we would like to essentially um, offer these kind of byproducts for gaming and collecting uh, to our customers if they want it. So basically, you can go to Consolidations to get all the news information. You can get always, you know, read our news blog posts, see all of the information that's there, um, get all the info about the new limited editions. Sometimes you have an in-depth review. For example, uh, not too long ago, um, Xbox uh, sent us a uh, very limited Titanfall um, Xbox, and uh, we gave you know the insights on that and posted it on our social media. Uh, but essentially, um, we do want to work together with manufacturers, and we're looking uh, for people that have a cool product that fits into the retro scene. It can be an informational product um, or it can be a product that's uh, like a crew case, for example. 
and uh, they can bring that product to a huge audience uh, that considerations can provide for them. And I think the, the, the major difference uh, uh, between the console variations and Retroplace is also Retroplace really only focuses on the information that is needed to identify the game in your collection and to have all the data you need if you want to buy and sell it. Where console variation goes a little bit deeper, or not a little bit, a, a huge chunk deeper in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the details of each and every um, uh, specifications of those, those consoles, which we don't do so much because it's not necessary for, for what we think um, the users of Retroplace want to achieve with Retroplace. So that's, that's I think, also a major difference, and the people of console variations do a fantastic job on that. Uh, uh, you all know the website. And so... Uh, and the business model on, on our side clearly is focused on the marketplace. So the, the, the database, of course, it's for free to use. Uh, managing your collection, of course, is for free to use and always will be. And all the li nice little uh, meaty things that come with it, like the barcode scanner and, and so on. And for the marketplace, we want it to be the mo most attractive way when it comes to sales uh, commissions. And if you're looking at eBay and Amazon and the usual suspects, you'll find out that depending on the price of the game, you end up with paying 25% and sometimes even more than that if you sell a game with, for example, Amazon. Uh, that is close to a rip-off, in my humble opinion. And we wanted, uh, and this of course brings prices up. It brings the prices up because the sellers want to still make a, a, a good dime on, on the product that they sell, but they have to give so much away that it's, it's reflected in, in the price people can buy this stuff. And we said, okay, this is, um, there must be a better way. So we only take 7% flat. That's it. And, uh, which is, uh, yeah, it's, 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 the, I don't know of any cheaper way to, 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 to buy and sell stuff. Well, the, the, the buyer doesn't, pay any sales commission. <coughs> Sorry. Oktoberfest flu. Mm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it's horrible. Just started yesterday. Uh, but it gives me this nice, uh, uh, deep voice, doesn't it? No. Uh, radio <laughs> voice. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, so, um, and, and to have like prices not go up through, uh, not go through the roof, we thought, okay, we have this, this different, uh, pricing model. And let's see how it, how it turns out. The only way you can sell it or, or buy it cheaper is if you go on, I don't know, um, Facebook maybe, but then you know what happens there in the groups. Uh, you have 10 million people that say, I want to buy the item, and then uh, 10 million people sneak out and say, ah, oh, no, no, I don't want it. It's um, it, it, like Facebook writes, it's difficult. And we want to, wanted to do a completely new approach there, and let's see. Uh, fingers crossed, we're we on the right track. It will be very hard to get people away from using eBay. I mean, eBay, everybody is using. I mean, if I want to have a game for my Russian NES, I go to eBay. If I yes, want to have a Japanese I, yeah. um, game here in red, I go to yes. eBay. Yeah. I absolutely agree. It will be very, very, very difficult. But this Cox showed it that it can work for a niche. And although I would even say that records are more niche than uh, used video games, I think that's the bigger market, I still think, okay, yes, it might take a, a long time and it might take a tremendous amount of effort, uh, of effort and maybe also some money to, to make your, your platform known to, 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 the, to the target group. 
still, I think the potential is so huge, I would be stupid not to, to try everything that I could possibly do to, to make that happen. And my gut feeling tells me, yes, it will be a, a long, hard road, but uh, with, with a little bit of effort, with a little bit of luck, and with a little bit of help from all the community out there, the, the word will spread. And if we have great offers on the platform, the word will spread and we have more people visiting it. The more people visiting the platform, the more offers come on the platform. So it, it'll be a long, hard road, but um, we will prevail. It seems to me a lot, if I'm looking for, at eBay for something, it's usually, um, I'll, I'll browse for eBay, but I usually if I'm looking for something there, it's not like a pristine version of something. It's like, you know, you browse, oh, Hey, here's something that looks kind of cool. Maybe I'll grab that. If I wanted a a good version, a good pristine version of the game where I can be sure of what I'm getting, um, I don't know that I would necessarily trust an eBay seller to even to even necessarily know what they were selling most of the time. Because a lot of times they get you know it's an estate sale and then they put it up and they don't know what it is. But you know, so something like that where it's it's a it's a marketplace site that is dedicated to these games where you, you again you have the database where you can tie into you yeah. know what it is and and the people selling know what it is and it would seem like that that niche would be something that could be is something that that would need to be filled with a site like yours yeah that is true but there's of course one crucial point here and this is credibility and with hardcore gaming fans, getting their credibility is extremely hard, and it's hard for a reason, because most, many of those, if not all, at least once, have been like, um, yeah, um, not defrauded, but they mm-hmm. had unhappy experiences with what they bought. Oh, yeah. And, of course, they see then, okay, another marketplace, another ripoff. And this will be one of the most crucial things to approach them in a way where they immediately feel, okay, those guys are for real. We have faces we can connect the website to, um, like Armin and Chris will make it happen that we will not get ripped off. And if we, if, if there is a problem, we can talk to those guys in person if necessary. Right. But right. on the other hand, the dealers that are selling there, well, it could be you, it could be me, but of course many professional uh, dealers will be there as well. And they know what they're dealing with. They're not like those eBay sellers that sell all kinds of stuff, but they will also, most of them will be focused on uh, selling uh, and buying uh, retro video games. But it's the credibility. And I I see many, many suspicious, not not suspicious people, people who are suspicious about a new marketplace. Mm -hmm. And I, I... I, I can't uh, say they are wrong. They're absolutely right. And it's our job to get their credibility. Right. Well, that that retro people are skeptical. We have that all the time when we interview people. Um, it just reminds me of the C64 Mini, where we were the only ones talking to Darren Mailburn because anybody else was saying, this is a fake product, it will never be released, you know? Mm. So, so um, well, I totally understand the problem. And there's such quality issues with, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've bought, you know, I, I've bought a game or something on eBay and it looks great and I, it comes to the house and it's like, oh, that's mold I smell. You know, it's been in someone's basement for 45 years and, 
you know, they just found it and threw it on eBay because they can make a couple of bucks off it. And it's yes. half the time, again, they don't know what they're selling. You look at their, at their other sales, and it's, you know, car oil filters and, yeah. and you know, garbage like which, that. Which, it's whatever the way, they have. By the way, lay next to the game for the yeah, last right. Uh, I would like to add just uh, just want to use the, the image of the laser disc uh, once again. It's it's a dead format, you know. It's it's like the retro games. You've got a lot of databases and marketplaces, but uh, you, you use eBay for for sure because there are a lot of sellers who don't know what they have there for for treasures. But on the other hand, you have Filmundo as a, as an example where there are a lot of people selling laser discs. Who think they could use prices ten times higher? What the product is? It's uh, what the value of the product is. Yes, and and there is a there is a wonderful wonderful thing from the very first day on RetroPlays. You will see with every game you click on on the details page if there are any offers at the moment at the marketplace, and if they are, if there are, it sh it shows you what was the average, the highest, and the lowest price of that product in the last. Don't know, and it tells you, and um, like, what are the, the the current options you you can choose from? And you can super easy as a seller find a fair price, and as a buyer you find the fair price as well, because of um, of course the, the 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 releases will differ in the condition they come. Yeah. One could be brand new, and the other one is like broken. So of course there will be a price uh, range, but at least you can make an absolutely educated decision, and it's it's a nice overview. It uses only a little bit of screen real estate, and with one glance, you you can make an educated decision, and that will be there right from the start. Uh, people will love that once they get more used to the system. But we need far more offers on the marketplace, and we need far more users to make all of this happen. Yeah. The good thing is. I'm just 48. I got a lot of time on me. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, I see. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a big problem. I mean, look at Cast Castlevania for the 64, 4,000 euros. It never getting sold, but the seller is trying it since yeah, a year. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the game sucks to begin with. Then you're gonna try that's to debatable. No, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, that's true. Of course, um, on eBay, it's like a lot of times people think that they found like the holy grail of things or they think that their stuff is worth more. But eventually, um, even though some prices on eBay are overpriced, um, there is kind of like an invisible market regulation there also that is that the people don't buy it. So if you don't sell it for a price where it's sold at, that's your price right there, right? It's too expensive. And if something gets sold within the first second, okay, maybe it was too cheap, but still there's some kind of regulation there. So um, our approach is a little bit different. We actually work together or we want to work together with a lot of the um, people that sell retro games, a lot of retro game stores, but also with all of the platforms that have a marketplace like eBay or Amazon or whatever. There are more of them out there. Tradera um, in the Scandinavian regions, uh, OLX uh, in Portugal. And um, then with all of that information, we can actually have a really, really close to value price. And um, 
you can't sell consoles and console variations, but you can um, go into the back end and like in your my profile page, and you can use all those features, manage your collection, put onto wish list, put it into your collection. And when you put it into your wish list, you can also optionally say uh, which price would you be willing to pay for this console. Um, and then you can put in if you would like to have it CIB or not. And then basically you work there is done and the rest is done by us because one day we will stumble upon one of these consoles it may be that we have bought it ourselves um, it may be that we got the information from some of our partners it may be that someone found 70 of exactly that console in his uh, basement or in his uh, retro store uh, and may not be able to sell them fast enough and then you will get uh, and receive a mail where it says hey we found your console do you want to have it? And then you can be your own judge if you want to buy it for this condition, that condition, that condition. You can see all the photographs. Um, so the way that works is a completely uh, different approach, but it also guarantees that the value is set at exactly the value that you're willing to pay um, with no compromise, actually. Yeah, a wish list feature is really an integral part of, of, of any marketplace. And uh, it, it works kind of the same with Retro Plays, where you can say for every game, okay, I put it on my wish list. If the game ever shows up, this special release that you put on your wish list, if it ever shows up on the marketplace, the second it shows up, you are getting an email. And what you also can do is you can install search agents where you say, okay, I'm interested because I'm a Japanese fanboy and I want all the Sega Dreamcast Japanese games once they hit the marketplace, I want to be notified because I'm an ex excessive or expensive um, uh, collector of those games, and you can have ten of those. So every 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 time any release for this console in this region uh, in this condition shows up, you're getting a notification by email. Hmm. So it looks like if the database weren't there, they should be invented. Um, so you both, you both. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, it sounds funny, but it's true. I mean, I mean, I mean, observation. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as I said, my my first impression was like, okay, Martin, you discovered something. Oh, nice, another database. But yeah. Um, so the thing is, you both said, Fred and Armin, you both said you want to progress further and um, develop develop the places, um, the database into something bigger. So I wonder, um, I guess let's start with Fred. You said console variations will start soon with 2.0. Uh, yes, that's correct. Uh, Don and I have been doing the database now for almost three years. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was absolutely hobby, you know, for both of us. And uh, the more time we invested to actually make the database uh, complete for all the brands that we have on the site right now, and um, we actually went there and tried to really get all of the details that when you go there, you really, yeah, you know it, you know, you, you know what's happening. Um, you know what that console is all about, and you also know maybe is there some specific backstory to it or whatever. Um, and we spent a lot of time on that. It was great fun. Um, and then after a while, uh, the user base grew and grew, and we realized, hey, you know what? Maybe let's develop this even further and make 
a database that is like the next generation collector's platform. That's how we like to say it because, like Armin said before, there are quite a few databases out there. Every single one is unique a little bit in its way, and we just wanted to make something that completely combines all of the features that you really need as a collector and that you really need um, when you want to database your own collection. So, plus some extra stuff. Um, our site right now, like I said, is like a hyper and uh, we've been developing the new site for the past nine months. We got a developing team uh, from the Netherlands, uh, which ended up with them, and uh, we plan to release the um, bigger version site in late December. So then all of these features, manage your collection, wish list, what I just talked about, will come into place. But even more than that, um, we will, for example, have an achievement and leveling system. We want to bring gamification uh, to the collecting scene that you don't just add your game and then you have it there in your database. We actually want to have you get the user to have the feeling that more is happening. So you will start with level one when you create your avatar. And uh, as soon as you add your first console, you will gain experience. And um, the more experience you gain, the higher um, you can go. And the higher level you get, the more, uh, of course, prestige factor you have. You know that system from some forums when you can have medals. Um, but it will also eventually grant you benefits. So you don't only get experience for adding um, items to your collection, because uh, that would be a little bit unfair. Some people have huge collections. Uh, I know a French guy who has a whole shipping hall, like a boat Sega Dreamcast games. I'm not kidding. He has containers, ships containers full of sealed Dreamcast games. So when that guy adds his collection to the site, he will be level 100 right, right away. Of course, that can't be the solution. We also want to have gamers that uh, have a small collection, have a good benefit from the site. So you can also gain experience by adding new variations if you actually create content on the site. Um, you can gain experience by contributing to the community. For example, we have a billboard feature where you can write on other person's billboard and uh, don't have a private messaging feature. Uh, we did that on purpose because we want to bring this forum feel back to the site also, additionally to being a retro place anyway. That's funny, I said it like that, a place for retro. <laughs> and uh, then um, we want to have these uh, these features uh, on there. So basically, you could, can also level and gain experience. And then if you reach level 10, if you reach level 20, if you reach level 30, you will gain benefits. And the best thing is, um, let's say there's an achievement, own five N64 games. Then there's an achievement, own N64 game from each region. Um, or let's say, own 10 PlayStation games. You will actually get an icon. We have a really cool icon designer that designed pixel art icons for the achievements you can get. And then every user can choose five. Currently, we have 500 achievements uh, in progress. So maybe we'll launch the site with only 100. Uh, maybe we'll launch it with 500. That's still to see. But every user can add five of their achievements that they can choose, but only five underneath their avatar. So that brings a huge individualization to the collecting scene. You can immediately see, oh, this guy is a PS1 absolutely like God. Or you can see uh, this guy is only in 
Nintendo scene or you, you can see, wow, that guy actually has the golden Commodore, the golden Aldi version, um, because he chose to show exactly that achievement on his profile page and you could see it right away. So anytime you interact with that user, if it's on, by commenting on his billboard or, um, if you view his profile, um, you also, of course, have the option to view the collection user if he doesn't set it to private, which is also possible. Um, you will see what this guy is all about. So we have the, the gamification. It's a very nice addition. It just it makes everything more fun. Um, then we have, actually, we have so really a bunch of new features. Uh, also implementing a rarity score, which is something that has been done before, but never really successfully been done, uh, with a lot of parameters that we put in it, and that's a serious algorithm business um, to create that, and we've been working on that for a pretty long time. So for the first time, uh, actually, realistically, you will be able to see not how good is a game, because that's how every rating works, but you will actually be able to see how rare is it also bring a whole new, whole new dimension into value. And that will really be interesting to check uh, a console, not only detailed, even more detailed information, which really to bring everything to that console. Um, also, like we said, the different packaging variations and all of that stuff, but you will also actually be able to see, hey, what's going on on eBay? What's going on Amazon? Is this available? You will be able to sign up uh, if you want to buy the console through us or one of our partners for your individual price. You will have fun with the achievement system, and you will actually be able to see, like, how rare is it? And uh, it would be too in-depth to explain how we make the rarity system, but it will be, of course, uh, public once we launch the site uh, and we'll share how uh, this score works. <laughs> So it's not like on eBay where somebody writes rare and then you get it 50 times on eBay. <laughs> no, exactly. It's not going to be like that. It's going to work with different parameters that exactly define how rare a score is. Um, it's patented, so it's basically glued to our side. And um, it will be uh, as accurate as possible to really determine how rare is a console. Because sometimes a console that's only made a thousand times is available on eBay always. Um, sometimes, if it's only made a thousand times, it's always available, and it's cheap even. But sometimes mm -hmm. games that were produced 10,000 times um, are super rare, and they're only on, only on eBay like once a year or something, and all of these factors will influence, of course, the score. Nice. So what is the next step for RetroPlace, Armin? What are your plans? We have a, a few nice things uh, in the pipeline, um, but I honestly got some some new ideas now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we have we have a point system for the users where everybody that contributes uh, correctly to the database will get points. We don't uh, say how much points for what, but we um, have a pretty neat algorithm that determines like your your, your points there. Um, we will probably not do things like um, special. Um, special badges or something like that. What we want to do is we want to uh, give special access rights where people could then not only like uh, change the database, but also approve the changes of others. 
So we have like, you can become a moderator. Um, but of course, with a lot of power, there comes a lot of responsibility. So to identify potential candidates for that will take quite a long time. Uh, but again, pl time plays in our favor. Now, I was but, actually uh, going to ask about that really quick, the, the moderation things, because we've seen sure. in some other databases. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, my you're, God. Your goes where I'm going with this. Oh, uh, sure, sure, jump in. On some other databases, when there's a lot of user interaction, when, when it's, it's, when you rely on users to add information, yes. and then you have a small group of moderators that are handling that, they yeah. kind of almost become like the, the self-appointed, you know, uh, scene police where, where basically it's like, how do you, how do, yeah, how do you avoid abuse from the moderators of, yes. of yes. people that uh, are trying to add this? Uh, very easy. First of all, we pre-scan the, uh, pre them anyway uh, by because we would talk personally to a candidate that might be a potential moderator. So we would basically interview him first to see, uh, do you want to do that? And then, yeah, getting to know the person better to have an understanding what type, type of person that is. Also, we would have an absolutely zero uh, tolerance policy against any abuse whatsoever. <coughs> somebody is added to the database and it's correct and because somebody uh, doesn't like uh, the guy that made the change and therefore it's rejected well the guy's no longer moderator full stop and and he's lucky if he's not banned for life because there is an absolutely zero tolerance policy against abuse we we don't need that we are all a community of 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 of, of guys that and girls that love retro gaming we do, we don't we don't do abuse period um, so, but what's, what's, what's upcoming in the future too is, well, we have now games, we have the consoles, but guys, there are also some other hardware things that people want to sell. It could be a joystick, or it could be books about games. Uh, there, there are many things. And I've recoded, uh, the, the, the database that way that we can now add any kind of other things next to the console and the games themselves. It could be light guns, it could be joysticks, it, uh, well, you, you know the, the stuff. Sure, yeah. So, so, but we will go, we will go from, from top to bottom. So we, we will start with the most important things, which could be, not saying it, but it could be, uh, uh books, like, uh, like, like, uh, cheat codes, code books, um, walkthroughs and, and, and that thought of, uh, sort of things. But we're just looking and we're ask, asking the community, what do you think is the most important thing to have next? Um, there could also come a time when we do not only consoles, but we uh, add arcade machines. So that might be even a more niche, but it's always great to look at those and just browse the database for fun, like what you played when you were young. Of course, you can sell them on the marketplace, but if you're not interested, you don't even see them because you're in a different place at the marketplace. So, but we want, we might want to add that in the future. And in a very, very long future from here, there could be even that we say, okay, now we covered all the major computer thingies. Okay. Let's, let's do one more stretch and we add the pinball machines as well. Mm. So that would be then really like covering it all. Again, if you don't, if you're not into, in, into pinball, well, don't just, just don't bother. But, um, this is like we are talking now, now four years in the future. The first step will definitely be that we add um, peripherals, books, that sort of things, and uh, and let's see uh, where, where, how how that uh, 
is anticipated by the or perceived by 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 the audience. And 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 we like the, the next step to get the numbers of games that are actually in the marketplace up is we talked to many many dealers. We we started a um, a print campaign in the UK in the current issue of Retro Gamer. There's an advertising in there, so it will be in November and December. Uh, in the it's it's a kind of a little mag Amiga Future. It's kind of a smaller mag, uh, but we have a, a an advertising in there as well for the English and the German edition. We will start a pretty hefty campaign uh, in cooperation with Google um, starting probably in November. And this will be, yeah, I, I don't want to brag about uh, financials, but it's, uh, it's a pretty heavy investment for, for, for um, a small team of, of two, two, two people where we are now. Um, but we need to be more in the face of potential buyers and sellers, of course. So we want to target the best uh best channels retro gaming channels on youtube uh and 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 see if we can create some awareness there also of course there will be other advertising efforts in the in the universe of of google and uh i think it's you can you can think about google what you want but uh if you want to if 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 you mean it what you do uh, in an on, in the online world, I don't believe that there is a way around Google. And uh, I personally like Google because it helped me for building a business in another area. Without Google, it would have not been possible. Um, so I'm 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 not a Google fanboy, but I appreciate what they do for for individuals that want to get their 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 their, their teeth into into some some business. So so I have to 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 be kind of thankful for them. So let's see if that works out. And uh, yeah, so there's lots of talking going on to, to to create awareness, which is the major goal now. Yeah, lot, lots of things happening, but the start so far has been has been good. There are like there are already like more than fifty thousand games that are in the in in the collection of our users. So that's a pretty hefty amount. Um, and uh, okay, there are only like sixteen hundred games on the marketplace, and this needs to go up at least tenfold, twentyfold, thirtyfold. Uh, I hope I, I can we can revisit the situation in, in 12 or 24 months from now. And I I'm sitting here and tell you uh, we just celebrated the 100,000 thousand uh, a game on the marketplace, something like that. That would be really neat, of course. Now, are you just focusing on games, or are we doing like all software for it for these machines? Because uh, no, you know, there's there's a lot of other stuff aside from just games, you know. Yes, education games, yeah, music yeah, yeah, programs. Uh, yes, absolutely. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So, um, with the consoles, it's easy because for the consoles, 99% is games. Right. Uh, but we have also the Commodore 64, the Amiga, the Atari ST, and we would, uh, we would be stupid to exclude those. If you're not interested in, 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 in like music, music applications for the Atari ST, okay, well, don't search for it. But yes, it, we will not restrict listing the listing either in the database nor uh, on the marketplace. If somebody wants to sell Creator for uh, the uh, Atari ST, fine. If he wants to do sell the Music Maker for the Commodore 64, fine. Uh, please go ahead. Okay. I I, I can actually. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Sure. Sorry, I didn't want to uh, <laughs> interrupt. Just it fits the topic. I just wanted to um, say because you said it would be nice if there would be like more uh, database than only 
games and stuff. Uh, just right now, we actually also extended what we have on the site. We didn't extend it by everything. Um, for us, our biggest extension is games, <laughs> because at the moment we have uh, consoles, controllers, and all of their box variations. Uh, which I can actually say that the box variations is the toughest one to research because mm. there are for every console, like, I don't know, at least two box variations usually, but some have hundred. Um, a lot of people didn't keep And we are expanding it. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's a little bit more difficult to get the images for those, but luckily we work together with like insane collectors worldwide that help us, um, make the database more complete. So we decided for the relaunch of the website that we want to go a little bit further. We're not going to add, uh, like, for example, the music programs and stuff. That would be so awesome. Maybe we can go there one day. But it has to also be a little bit uh, realistic, of course, what we uh, add now at the step. So games will be there. Um, we also decided to include uh, kiosks um, because there's a quite a large community of people that uh, collect these uh, gaming displays and uh, game kiosks. We decided to include uh, dev units and prototypes. Um, and the biggest one of all, decided to include third-party items, which is something that has been asked for for so long. Um, it was so difficult to research and really put all of the third-party items uh, on the database, so we decided that we only have official releases. But in the future, you will be able to choose if a release is official, if it's licensed, or if it's unofficial, uh, meaning a third-party item. Uh, and since the users have the possibility in the future to add all of the variations themselves and uh, place it in the third-party category, um, it will as well, you know, gradually grow over time. And, uh, to round up uh, the, the topic about the features, um, there's actually one more feature I would like to share with you, which uh, we implemented, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, you can implement or you can uh, put your own game room into your profile. So you have the possibility, you have your own uh, tab there, and you can actually show pictures of your own game room. And uh, it will be a little pre-made form uh, with questions, with interview questions, where it's be like, okay, when did you start collecting? Why do you collect? And then you can select 10 holy grails from your collection. And um, when you save that data, uh, other users can actually go to your profile and they can see your game room, they can see your whole setup. And that brings a lot of personality uh, to world into the database world because that makes it not only, you know, images of consoles, that makes it how did people put these consoles into their settings at home, which is something that is shared on Facebook immensely in all of the communities. Uh, and now finally you can also do it in a database platform. And uh, there will also be a feature uh, to brag um, your game room if you want to do that on social media to have a, and it will automatically create a pre-made view screen for whatever social media it is. So you'll have an overview and you just have to hit like, okay, break my game room, or you can actually also do that with your hand. Uh, it will create an Instagram image or Facebook image that will have exactly a nice, neat specification layout just for that social media platform that you can share your collection or your game room with others. Um, yeah, so I was just thinking... As, as you both said, um, being, getting more aware of the existence of the databases, 
I was just thinking, as we were saying about uh, corporations, you know, like the angry video game video gamer, you know, and you oh. could you at, angry at, video gamer. Angry video game nerd, yeah. And at the end, you could say like, "Want to get rid of your shitty game? Go to retroplace.com and sell it there or something." <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but no. uh, actually, this is of of course um, to 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 identify and to to approach the influences that are important to the to the scene. We want to get uh, more attention. Is of course one thing we do. Um, uh, the our angry uh, video game nerd um, is on the list. I haven't approached him yet, but I, I certainly will do. But there are some more things um, need to be done first. But yeah, there there because there are lots of wonderful uh, retro channels out there on YouTube, uh, on YouTube. And yes, of course, this, this is something that we're looking into. Yeah, it's it's cool. Did you see his new video, by the way, uh, about the? Tomb Raider games. The thing yeah. was released five days ago. Yep. No, so, no, I like, saw this review, but I didn't watch it yet. No. I think it's so cool that he's still doing. I mean, you could see like his time when he started. Uh, actually, he, I think he changed his name from the Angry Nintendo Nerd to the Angry Video Game Nerd just to cover mm -hmm. more stuff. This is way back. Um, but uh, you know, he's used to bring out a video every month, uh, every uh, week or something. Now it's not as frequent because he's also into other stuff. But uh, I think it's so amazing that he still plays that character and still does that. And these videos have like 1.5 million views in the first three days. It's really, it really goes to show that retro is something that is still very active and even becoming more active. Um, this year on Gamescom, for example, like I've been to Gamescom. I count countless number of times. Uh, I've had a, a, my own booth on Gamescom now, um, together with Don, uh, the third year this time. And in the previous years, the guys that had an N64 shirt or a Commodore shirt or whatever was, they were, you know, my age, you know, around 30s, uh, sometimes older, uh, sometimes a lot older. But this time release of the NES and the SNES Mini, uh, you see 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds that are wearing retro gear, you know, they're mm -hmm. into that stuff, so there's a new scene growing uh, that was previously not the case. This is not only due to the, the releases of these two consoles, it's due to many factors uh, that, like, modern uh, you know, there's also always an anti-movement um, to a new movement. So if something like musically hits the market, there will be a minority that says, wow, I'm never getting into this. I'm buying a retro console or something. So um, the market is pretty big. And yeah, influences are a huge uh, topic. Of, um, but that's a whole industry we're talking about. Um, many people don't realize when they see Angry Video Game Nerd or similar channels what kind of marketing and what kind of uh, monetization is behind these channels, how they work, and um, how brutal also this scene is that works behind there. Oh, yeah. So I think for anyone to try to get these people on your side is also a little bit um, difficult. You know, you have to, like, there's some guys out there that are like, hey, I really love your product, you know what, I'm just gonna uh, I'm just gonna put your banner out and say, hey, I got this information from there and this. 
We've worked together with quite a few people on YouTube already. Mostly it's not the case that we approach them. Mostly it's the case that they see a blog post on our newsfeed or that they see a console or they want to report uh, over, let's say, just uh, Super Nintendo and they say, hey, can we uh, take your images? Can we, uh, can we use your site? Uh, unfortunately, uh, sometimes it happens that um, they just take the images and never say where it came from and you never get any credit. That happens rarely, though. Um, usually they're like, yeah, cool site, and then of course they're allowed to use our content if they give us a little bit of a backlink or credit because it works both ways. But there are also influencers that say, yeah, I work together with a partner, give me $30,000 and uh, we're in business. So that scene is uh, very, very diverse, something that is very nice to look at and very difficult to work with. Oh yeah, I mean, actually recently we spoke to Kim Justice and she also said, It's also very hard to uh, to uh, well uh, keep people being interested in the new stuff you produce. And um, when you ask around in the retro area, a lot of people say that in 10 years nobody will care about old consoles and old video games anymore. And um, it's it's the same like saying since 20 years that the Commodore 64 demo scene is going to die. So uh, certain things are always told to be de dead within 10 years or 20 years. Um, but personally, of course, I hope this will not happen. And um, and I hope that the two of you will, t will have a big part in keeping all that stuff alive. Because well. um, there are tons of databases um, out there. And a lot of them have conflicting or wrong information. And the rumors about my of death course. are highly exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I see what you mean. Uh, just uh, just a quick jump in. Yeah, I, I know those guys that are saying like uh, retro is, uh, is 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 dead maybe in 10 years. I beg to differ for one um, reason. Uh, the PlayStation 5 or 6 won't have any. Any more physical games. I think that's, that's a no-brainer. They will only do, like, either stream the games. Maybe you don't even have a box. Maybe you only need an internet connection and that's it. And it's just an app where you stream the games. But there will definitely, uh, no, there will, won't be any, any more hardware that you, that, like, the games won't be on hardware. So that makes retro even more attractive because you need the physical products to be, to be retro. Otherwise, you don't, if you don't have a product, it's not retro really. And I think this will even boost um, the, the the whole retro gaming scene. So I, I see a very very bright future. Um, I, I'm not concerned about uh, all those um, naysayers. Yeah, it will all die. No, I don't believe in this uh, doom stories. I think we have a bright future in front of us. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um... I don't necessarily think that the game will, will games will not be entirely physical in the future. I do agree with you that in the far future, like very far future, that might be the case. But if you look at games like, for example, Shovel Knight uh, or Mighty Number no. Nine, that were uh, uh, like projects that were never actually meant to be physical. Uh, then the gaming company behind it actually decided to bring a physical release because people do want to have their copy of Shovel Knight in their shelves. And they're like, yeah, I would buy it, but I don't want to download it. I want to buy it. <laughs> I want to have it. I want to show it to people. Maybe 
that scene will wear off, and I totally agree with you. The more digital we all become, the less important it will probably be for future generations. But anyway, I think that nothing will ever really die. Anything that was a thing once will be picked up again. Uh, if you look at the fashion industry, it happens all the time. If you look at the uh, hairstyle uh, industry, if that's even an industry, it probably is. I just named it wrong. And that also happens all the time. And it will be the same with retro, and it's the same with almost anything. It will come back. Um, for example, I have some friends that started collecting Pokemon cards now again, 20-year-old Pokemon cards. I really thought to myself, are you serious? I mean, what's the... Hey, did you ever play with them? They're really cool. So we played a match uh, in our favorite bar, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, so I decided to uh, complete the Pokemon card set that I still had from when I was a child. Uh, that I started with my brother and I had like 11 cards missing or something and I bought them on eBay. They're kind of cheap now. Um, so I had that complete. And then I made a post, you know, it was like, hey, I finally completed my Pokemon collection and got some great feedback. So I think like all of these little stories, everyone has them. They add up to a great big picture and I completely agree. It doesn't kill retro. And... Also, the fear, for example, that people had, oh, when the NES Mini comes out, the NES games will be worthless. Um, when the SNES comes out, the SNES games will be worthless, the real ones, because literally the SNES Mini cost as much with 23 games. Well, I, I don't know how many games exactly. I think 20 plus one or what. Uh, one single SNES game can be the same price or way over that. But actually, that didn't happen at all. What happened was that people got way more into uh, the retro scene through those consoles, then realized, wow, these 20 games were pretty awesome. Mo a lot of people maybe say, okay, they were not awesome, they just put it back to the shelf. But a minority of people says, wow, this is awesome. What more games are there? And then they go out and buy all the games that were not released on the small console and then boost again the retro scene. So I... Um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, there are many, many factors that uh, actually root for retro. Right. Well, moment. you also have yeah. the 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 fact that games are ga a good game is a good game, regardless of whether it was made 30 years ago or tomorrow. So there are just some games yeah. that are you know retro and are really good. And then also another thing which you said before, which was that you know. A lot of people that are now getting older are realizing, hey, I can get all the stuff that I wanted to have when I was a kid and never had a chance to. <coughs> like, Which is, yeah, what you, know, exactly. yeah. you know, I'm doing a lot of that now. It's like, to it. hmm? uh, that was exactly how I got into it. Exactly that. I, I just remembered, hey, when I was a kid, I, I, I had that, I liked it, and I, I bought it again. Um, also, actually, in the target groups, I can share that with you. If you see who's online on the platforms, I think probably, Armin, with you, that would be quite similar. It's not age 15 to 24 or something like, uh, you know, you could think because it's like gamers. Actually, the collecting scene, it's more like between 25 and 35. Uh, but the age group between 18 and 24 is growing and you can see it grow. So it's happening. There's new people are coming. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. yeah, it's it's true. Um, no, I wanted to say something, I forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing that happens, actually, 
I, I just to just to um, to support this point that you made is when Unholy Night was released uh, last year, and you know this um, beat 'em up game for the Super Nintendo. It was the first game that was commercially released for the Super Nintendo after 18 years. You know, wow. and um, it was a beat 'em up by old SNK guys. And um, beat 'em up was never a genre that the Super Nintendo was told to be good at, so people were buying it. And I wanted, and I wanted my copy. And Amazon USA was the was actually the distributor of that game, and and they always updated my order. Like, okay, this is like you're getting your order in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. And so at some day I was calling up Amazon and I was asking, so when do I get my game? Why it's taking so long? And they're telling me that they got more more sales for that Super Nintendo game than they actually produced and they can get from the company making those games. So even Amazon yeah. was totally, totally unprepared and they ordered too little amount of the Super Nintendo game, you know? <laughs> so, okay, yeah. okay, okay, well, this was surprising. If even Amazon cannot handle the amount of orders, then we are into something big. Yeah, for real. And they actually, yeah, they misjudged that one. That was super interesting case. But I also see it on other fields everywhere, you know? People make uh, new uh, games uh, for, let's just say with the example Super Nintendo, that are unofficial, but they're maybe extremely good games. Uh, they have some uh, potential. It's People talk about them. People want to buy them. Some of these cards uh, that are self-made, you know, and self-labeled also go for 150 euros uh, of, of, of eBay, for example, for the Zelda um, games, which unfortunately I can't recall exactly the names. I think they're two very good uh, fan-made versions. Um, but then what happens? People actually make repro box arts for these items. So people even go there. Um, and of course, you can imagine as a platform uh, database guy, I'm not a big fan of Repro because that means, you know, when people put stuff on a, a marketplace like eBay uh, and it looks exactly like the original Conker's Bad Fur Day uh, uh, original box, but in reality it's printed in some basement because that printer now is exactly as good as the printers were in 1990, that's something that really I, I can't handle and I think it shouldn't be like... Yeah, it's something that disturbs you. Let's like put it that way. But the fact that it's happening is also again um, proof that this scene has some action, some new stuff, some innovation in it, um, and that it's not dying. Actually, yeah, like we probably all agree on, almost the opposite is the case. So you you, you remember when we were at, at uh, Gamescom, <coughs> we actually had a lot of. Um contact to actual publishers for all systems, like the C64, the Amiga. I just I just uh, rushed here around in, at my table, and I found this one. Don't you, if you see it, highly polished box versions of games that are actually from 2018. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, this will this will go, go much further now. These are Amiga CD32 games, highly polished Commodore tapes. You get <laughs> tapes to buy. I, yeah, actual yeah. games. Nice. And 
I don't know how they make it because this physical media, well, you, you can get it at the moment, but uh, as the VHS stopped, I don't know if the, 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 the tape will stop one day, but, uh, well, the market is there and, and, and I see me myself, I, I buy the uh, stuff, hey. <laughs> I got some of that stuff too. I mean, it's like, it's so well, so well made. It's in a plastic box, the glossy labels. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's super cool. I also really am impressed by the fact how with how much love and with which with the technology we have now you can actually make it look so awesome. I'm absolutely on your page. I just don't like if someone puts a game like that on eBay, claims it's the real and it's really not, and yeah. even I am unable to tell if it is or not. That's right. really something that destroys a marketplace and that's very, very difficult to handle. Oh, oh, it's it's happened. Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, that scene is growing. In, yeah. Insane. There are forums about Repro that have, have had a growth unimaginably where just about, well, they give all of the data how to print the, new, the covers and the box arts of games and people are very intensely into that. Right. Um, you had I, things I, like I, Universe. <laughs> or, I remember yeah. that one guy that sold 80... 80 copies of Jenna Sisters, all signed by Chris Hulsbeck. I was like, okay, when was this moment yeah. that Chris Hulsbeck sat down and uh, and signed 80 original box Jenna Sisters? <laughs> does he does he even remember remember that he did that? You know, um, or or for example, uh, Space Taxi and people actually print their own labels saying public domain. Yeah. You know? oh. And suddenly, suddenly, a game is public domain. Oh my God! <laughs> didn't know about that. Yeah. You know, rare thirty euro, thirty dollars. I'm like, okay, you know. Uh, well, yeah. That's unfortunately yeah, how it is. You know. That's really bad. We also had a case uh, in the N64 collecting community. I know I said N64 like a million times in this interview. You do get that it's my favorite console, but everybody has its favorite his favorite console. So I guess that's fair. We actually had that case. There was a very rare N64 controller. You could only get it um, in uh, on the E3, 1997, in Atlanta. And uh, it was a Star Fox competition. You played uh, four people, Star Fox uh, 64 against each other, uh, which was called Lilith Wars here, I believe. And... Um, if you won, you got one of these limited controllers. And it was basically a gold controller, and it had an emblem on it um, that was the logo of the N64 controllers, gold. It looks super fancy. And it's considered one of the rarest N64 controllers because, I mean, you know, be there. You know, how many people were at A3 at Atlanta? How many people won the thing? How many got lost? Away. So we made a list uh, in these forums how many those exist. And it was pretty stable at like 10 in possession of collectors, which is insanely rare, and it fetched prices between 1000 and $2,000 for one in 64 controllers. Uh, arguably, that's actually a correct value, um, because it's very, very rare. Um, but also, of course, there are people in collector that say, hey, I never spend over 100 bucks for a single item, and uh, these guys also have huge collections sometimes. But what happened was um, that some guy, uh, he counterfeited this golden uh, logo emblem, and um, he had these controllers, you know, and he's like, yeah, it was a D3, I had this and that. So a lot of people from the collecting scene bought these controllers, 
And um, eventually, after more than two and a half years after a big YouTuber um, like uncovered the case, uh, everyone, you know, got into a lot of like these. It was fraud, you know, and. Mm-hmm. The same thing happened on other occasions then with these repro cases, and that's like, ah, that's just so difficult to tackle this topic. Um, very, very, uh, very, very uncool. But the lucky thing is that the gaming community um, is a very, very, very strong community. Also, the collecting community is even more strong. There's a lot of checking and counter-checking. There's a not a lot of, like, do you know that guy? Is that guy credible? That's also the reason why things like retro plays with the credibility, that's awesome, you know, that you can actually, you know, you're not buying from somewhere. You're buying from the people that are handling these kind of console systems and games all of the time. Um, right. Of course, it's also similar with console variations. You have this credibility. But... Um, not many cases evolve where these kind of things happen, but I have witnessed a few times where that has happened. So it's a little bit, um, yeah, I think we're going off topic now, but yeah, it's difficult to counter these uh, these repro uh, items because sometimes it does go bad. And sometimes, like the N64 example was the repro in that case, but it was also very, very high-techly, high-technically done, this counterfeit that nobody could actually know, is it real or not. Uh, sometimes it really goes bad. Hmm. Which goes back to the point Armin made that in order to avoid such things, they interview people before they get a big influence into the database, right? Yeah, well, it's it's like that. Of course, we can't we can't interview everybody that wants to sell on RetroPlace. Hmm. But with in the beginning, the most of the people that are selling at the moment, well, if not all for the time now, we know them in person. Because there are dealers that we know from Germany, from France, from England, so we know, we know them. And there are a few things where you can where you can uh, where well you cannot you cannot of course there's no 100% guarantee that nothing bad will ever happen. But in case there is something, let's say there's a there's a very rare game and it's it's the the price asked is like I don't know 1,500 euros or something like that. Now, it comes from a seller that has no rating so far whatsoever. Well, this raises the first question mark. Then you see the seller sits in a country that you have only remote access to. Well, this raises maybe the second question mark. And um, so, and, and uh, of course, uh, if you buy with PayPal, you are under full buyer's protection. Uh, according to to PayPal's own uh, terms uh, and conditions, so could things go potentially or could things go wrong? Well, I can't say for hundred percent. No, it it cannot happen. But we have some very clever systems installed that we limit the fact the 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 the, the, the possibility to an amount that is uh, yeah that is absolutely acceptable for everybody. And of course, for a game like for the, the average game is like 15 euros. The average retro game is 15 euros. Those games will not be copied, or hardly at all, because it's just not worth it. Re- reproducing it actually costs more than than you get out of the thing. So it's only really worth for very, very uh, expensive games. And even if there would be a problem, then we would change the system and say, okay, we do it on escrow basis, and we get the games, and we pre-screen the games, and if we say yes, that's the original, then the money goes to the to the seller. And so, 
if if we do it that. But I I I know it's an issue. I know it's a growing issue with some things, especially out of China. But it's not the only um, country those things are coming from. Uh, but I think we have it under control. We have some very good recipes to to make sure we are we are safe as 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 safe as we can. Okay, that's that's good to know. Yeah. So where can people go to see your sites and and the, the databases and everything that you're that you're offering at the moment? Well, uh, you can go to consolevariations.com. That's uh, our website. And um, like I said previously, you can see um, most of the consoles uh, for the, from the six major gaming brands, uh, the controllers and the box variations, and basically that's all you will find right now. But uh, you can also follow our Facebook page, which is also called Console Variations, um, or you can check us out on Instagram, also Console Variations. Uh, I think it's under dash, is that the name? Underline.com, because you're not allowed to use the dot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, yeah, you will find uh, all of that there, but the big uh, stuff that I have been talking about now in the past hour, that will uh, is still work in development, and we are almost finished. Um, the prototype version at the moment looks very promising, and we're going to launch it uh, end of December, maybe mid, mid of January, and then you will see a whole new face of the website, and you will be able to use and database and manage your collection as you've never done it before. Great. Very cool. So, uh, RetroPlace uh, can be reached at, who guessed that one? RetroPlace.com. Um, you have, uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the landing page, you see the latest additions to the marketplace, and if you find something there that you like, you just click on it, and it'll take, it'll take you there. Uh, the main menu consists of two items, if you're not a registered user uh, already. It's the database. You click on the database and then you can choose many different filters, the console and uh, the genre and uh, the alpha, the sort by alphabet, whatever you like. And there's, of course, the same thing for the marketplace where there you can say, okay, I only want to see complete games. I only want to see games that are new in condition or maybe only that are broken in condition for whatever reason. Um, and this is basically what you can do uh, with, without signing up. You can sign up. It's just a mouse click. You can sign up with uh, Facebook, with Google, or you do it the old school way with uh, typing in your details. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you, of course, can do your wish list, your collection management, um, and, and browse, the whole, uh, browse the whole thing. Uh, there are also things like an API if you're like a heavy seller. And, and have a look at the FAQs because some cool... Tips and tricks are down in the FAQs, and it, it gives you a nice overview of what you can do with the website. So I hope I see many of everybody that is listening now at RetroPlace.com. Awesome. Great, we will put you. links to all of that in the description below, and I will check that out as soon as we're off here. <laughs> Great. Okay, guys, thanks for taking the time. I'm, I'm so happy we got all those, uh, well, so many people together at one time, <laughs> one place. Amazing. Such an interesting interview. It was really nice talking to you guys. Uh, this was really, uh, a wonderful interview. Um, great host. And it was also a really interesting discussion, actually. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, uh, uh, it was very, very nice. Um, yeah. So thank you very much. Um, 
I mean, uh, many people don't actually uh, know that, and it's a very, it's actually a, a very great coincidence. I mean, and I were both from Munich, so um, after the call, are you gonna head to the Oktoberfest for the last hour? No, no, I, I, I can't do that because I'm already have the flu, the Oktoberfest flu, so I can't do that. I, I will go to, to, to probably to bed now, see how lame I am, but I will watch <laughs> um, one episode of the. The Designated Survivor, which I'm uh, watching for the second time now because it's such a cool show. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm probably going to bed. I wanted to say thank you so much for having me tonight. Uh, it was a fantastic interview. I hope your your audience enjoyed it as much as I did. And I hope to see you uh, on RetroPlace.com sure. very soon. Sure, I will thank sign up, of course. See, see you. Bye-bye. Awesome having you on. Thank you for sitting with us. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Yeah. So that was Armin Hirstetter from Retroplace and Fred Fisher from Console Variations and Martin Amon, who is still here and hanging out over there. Um, if you want to check them out, uh, Retroplace is at Retroplace.com and Console Variations is at ConsoleVariations.com. Um, for us, you know where to find us. It's sceneworld.org and all that other stuff. It's in the podcast description. Just go there and see episodes and whatever yeah. we're doing. And our Google Plus might, might yeah, shut notes. down soon yeah. because Google announced today that they are going to shut down Google Plus. Yeah. So instead, find us on Instagram. Would be um, at sceneworld64. Yes. Yep. Check us out there. Check us out on Twitter. Um, and again, links to everything in the podcast description. So, hello. Yeah. We will see you next time.